This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. I love sexting you. Oh, God. That was on horrible. On cell phone. I be sending you nipple pics. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Really? Can we say nipple on air? I, I hope so. I hope so. It's not a curse word. No, it's a, it's a, no, we can say it. It's anatomy. I'm going to sext it right now. Hold on, guys. You just can't say. You cannot say the version of that word oh. that starts with a T. Because that's one right, yeah, that oh. of the that's seven explicit. dirty I words. I love it when you put your finger. Oh, you're being explicit enough. We don't need you to sext on air, okay? You know what case that is? The sexter? No, that's that's George Carlin. FCC versus Pacific. Oh yeah, seven I that. that determines what we can say here. You on used the to air. sex me on my cell phone. <laughs> Is that what happened? But then I used up my data plan. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> so now we got a FaceTime. Oh god, <laughs> that's good. All right, we're back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard. My name is Selena Hill. I'm here with Stanley Fritz. And Alyssa Fuchs. And Selena has no friends and she's not cool. So Stop she it, sex. because I don't par- engage in sexting. Look, you don't drink this either. Is not, this is not about me, okay? This you is about not me. about me. You don't sext. You don't smoke. <laughs> what what, what do you do? No, I'm but listen, Selena. Selena was getting down last night regardless. So Yeah, she can really party. Sometimes I think she's on Molly because <laughs> she's so hype. She's like, <laughs> All right, guys. Look, we got to bring it back to the, the topic at hand. I'm having sexting. too much fun. <laughs> yeah, well, we're having fun talking <laughs> about sexting. Stanley, stop it with the sexting. All right, I'm going to go sex from my phone. All right, let's get serious. All right, guys. Can you remember when you were 16 years old and you had your first love? You couldn't stop thinking about them. You wanted to spend all your time with them. And you may have likely started experiencing with sex. You may have even gotten a third base, Stanley. I actually got the first and thrown out. <laughs> 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 I know. I read Sucker for Love. No, I read your first <laughs> book, and he, you talked about that. Well, the the point is, here's the point. The reason why I bring this up is because the only difference between teens today and teens of the past and, and past generations is technology. Many teens are engaging in a practice called sexting where they send each other explicitly, uh, sexually explicit photos and messages. So basically what I'm saying is when we were teenagers, we may have participated in some of, like, some of that kinky behavior or, you know, whatever you call you it. You may have passed a note or two. <laughs> yeah, I made, a, I made a mixtape and I'll put pony from Roses Genuine. are red, Jump flowers pony. are blue. Come to my mom's house and tonight. ride my pony. And I'll sleep with you. <laughs> right, right. Well, so that's what I'm saying. You may have passed a note in class. You may have experienced, started experiencing with your own sexuality. Things like this happen in our adolescent years. However, studies show that today's teens more and more of them are viewing sexting as this normal interaction that occurs between them and their friends, whereas other people are just seeing it as a form of flirtation. So instead of just like, you know, hand-holding or passing notes, they're like, well, I'll hit you up after 10 tonight and we're going to sext. They don't make, they don't say it that formally, but that's what's going on, basically. And I wanted to mention that there's a study from Drexel University that shows that 54% of college students said that they have either sent or received, and I quote, sexually explicit text messages or image images before they turned 18 years old. Over half of the population have started sexting before they're 18, right? So they're all engaging into this act. However, many are not aware of the many legal consequences that can come about when sexting, um, when, they, when they engage in sexting, because most states do not have laws that govern sexting. That means if a minor sends a nude or a sexually explicit image to another minor, he or she 
excuse me, can be charged under child pornography laws. These statutes typically carry uh, severe sentences, meaning they can have jail time or they can even have to be forced to register as a sex offender. So today we're going to talk about the phenomenon of sexting and just how dangerous it can be for underage people. And again, if you are not a young person that is younger than the age of 18 engaging in sexting, I bet you you know somebody that is, and you just don't know that they're doing that. Why do you sound so excited about underage sexting? I'm not, but Stanley, I'm excited just to talk about this. Oh, okay. And, and it's, you know, as Selena brings up, it's a real issue because of the way that the federal child pornography laws and state child pornography laws interact with this uh, we'll call common, as you point out, behavior amongst teenagers um, and also the collateral consequences that you brought up, like having to register as a sex offender, which is something that will then follow you around and can affect where you can live um, and, you know, schooling and a lot of other things in these kids' lives. So these kids could be engaging in teens in what they think is some sort of uh, relatively innocuous behavior where they are having a flirtation with somebody and they snap a picture of themselves and they send it. um, And then that can turn into something that becomes criminal and then follows them for the rest of their lives. So it's definitely a big issue. I'm really glad that we're talking about it today. And, um, you know, I think the biggest thing is, you know, we want to protect kids, but how we have to come up with a solution on how, you know, these two things have to interact together. Selena? Right. So I want to get to the guests that we have on the line. We have on the line with us Heather Elias Kukolo, who is the director of New York Law School's Mental Disability Law Program. And she is an expert on sex offender law. And fun fact... Alyssa took her class when Alyssa was attending NYU. And uh, New York Law School. But New yes, York Law School, I'm sorry. Um, I did me. take her class. It was a great class. It's one of my favorite classes. And I'm not just saying that because she's on the line. I actually really Aww. enjoyed the class. And it was really interesting. And I learned a lot from it. And that's why I wanted to have this discussion today. No, exactly. Um, uh, Heather, are you there? Good afternoon. I am here. Okay. Um, we might Alyssa need to check. I'm sorry? Oh, I said thank you, Alyssa, for that very kind... Um, compliments on on the sex offender course. Um, right. So, so Heather, I want to start off by just having people understand the reality of what's going on. So there were these high school sweethearts. They were 16 years old and they traded new cell phone pictures. There was no ever evidence of harassment or corrosion. But under a literal interpretation of North Carolina law, each had distributed child pornography. How did people find out? Well, we'll 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 get to that. So what happened was they were charged with the felony of exploiting a minor, which could have brought them years in prison and decades on the sex offender registry. However, a number of people started protesting and saying that this is ridiculous. They're a couple. They're in love. They're 16. You know, this is a common behavior. We shouldn't make an example out of these two uh, teenagers or children. So eventually they just pled to a misdemeanor. But like Alyssa mentioned, you know, prosecutors now all over the nation are asking whether and how to charge teenage sexters. So, Heather, I wanted to get your take on that. How should should we be prosecuting uh, teen sexters? What do you think about that? Well, first of all, I think early on when you were kind of discussing the issue of what sexting is and how it is come about with the advancement of technology. And it is in many ways seen as this new concept of flirting among teenagers. I mean, prior to cell phones, prior to sending these images, what did we have? We had individuals or teenagers engaging in some form of sexual act and then either, you know, talking about it, rumors, etc. 
And I think it's important really to look at is what are we concerned with here with this sexting? Is it, are we concerned with the fact that we think that our teenagers are becoming more sexualized? Are we concerned with the fact that this is, you know, resulting in photographic images or pictures that can now be proof? Again, before we had this, it was sort of like a maybe he said, she said, right? So I think we really have to take a look at, you know, what is sexting? Why are we concerned with it? I know you spoke of the Drexel study. Um, according to that study as well, 28% of the uh, individuals that were uh, polled said that they sent actual photographs. Um, so I think also, too, let's just take a quick look, if right. we can, about the laws going on. Well, well before we do, Heather, let me just, let me just um, jump in there because you brought up a good question. What is the big concern? And I think that a number of people are concerned, whether they're parents or their mentors. What's happening is, is you have these children. Some are engaging in casual sexing, some, with rela- some in relationships, and these photos can easily be, um, can easily be leaked out especially if there's a broken relationship and someone uses this in a form of revenge porn and they use it as mm-hmm. cyberbullying or harassment. That's one concern. Another thing is when you have these, you have some children who actually made a sex tape. They were under the age of, um, I think they were under the age of 16. They made this sex tape and they put it on Twitter, not knowing that, you know what, this can jeopardize your chances of getting into college. This could jeopardize your reputation amongst, you know, your peers or your administrators or, I mean, in in society in general. So they're making these decisions that if they were older and had they had a full brain, they they might not necessarily be doing this to themselves and they might be taking their <laughs> lives more seriously. Oh, well, wait a second, though. I'm so glad you brought that up because I know we're talking about teens and I know we're talking about the issue going on with teens, but let's not forget there have been some significant high-profile individuals and media-driven stories of sexting. We had Anthony Weiner in New York on Twitter send a link uh, to, an ex- about, to an extremely sexually suggestive photo of himself to a 21-year-old woman in Seattle. Chris Hansen from To Catch a Predator admitted to sending sexually explicit photos to his mistress. Um, and it's not just a U.S. problem. We had uh, Peter Dowling in Australia, part of the Australia's Liberal National Party. You know, his career took a, a pretty significant dive um, when he had been found to have uh, sent sexually explicit texts. So the question is, right, are, are these teens thinking? i got to say, though, you know, one of the things that you kind of made me think of also is the fact that we for these laws to pick up where parents fall short. And you say kids are, you know, making these videos and sending these pictures. And is the problem is, is there not enough education? Is there not enough parental intervention? Is there not enough education going on at the beginning, at the outset, before we even have to talk about uh, sanctions and criminal penalties and the laws? Now, about 20 states have teen sexting laws. And as of 2012, I think there were an additional 13 states that are considering how to deal with this issue. And the thing is, is that in these states that have these laws, right, they're going to target sexting. And what they want to do is they, there's a chance that they could be charging this as a felony, as a misdemeanor, okay? And the states, as you had mentioned, that don't have specific sexting laws mm-hmm. still have the option of charging juveniles under laws that target child pornography. Um, one as well, though, what we're talking about here is when we talk about child pornography, right, 
as you mentioned, this is something that can be extremely damaging. It can lead to, uh, of course, a felony charge. It can lead to federal charges. It can lead, and most significantly, lead to registration notification um, and 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 being basically marked for life, sort of a scarlet letter for right. life over this. Right. You make a really good point. I'm, and I want to jump in for a second. This is Stanley, by the way, and talk about a segment that Selena and I did almost four years ago now at a Westbury, where there was a young lady who performed um, oral sex on her boyfriend outside of the school. They recorded it and posted it online, and he was charged with sex offender charges. Mm-hmm. And in that case, I thought it was ver- it was just very justifiable because he used it as a way of like revenge porn against her. However, like. I have a hard problem really digesting these laws because we teenagers are a rebellious and b have like eternal attitudes. Putting a law and telling telling them they, they can't do something is not going to help. Why aren't we just in, like emphasizing education more? It's like when you say that. It's like when you tell kids they should be abstinent until they're married. Most of them don't listen because the a they're rebellious, b they're teenagers so they're horny, and c you're a stupid adult. So what should happen when sexting turns into revenge porn? Well, in that case, that's when the hammer comes down. But if they're just sexting, like, like educate them on, like, hey, this is what could happen. This you should be careful of. Like the same way you would say, listen, you want to share this with somebody. Make sure it's someone you care for. Make sure it's someone you trust. Make sure that like it's in a way that like they know they have to respect your privacy. Make sure you tell them and be very clear about that. And if they go further than you want them to, then you move forward. There was another celebrity who got caught with a sexting. Um, I Carly, I think I was. I don't know who her name is. She was dating um Kevin Drummond, a basketball player for the Detroit Pistons. They broke up. She said he was a bad kisser. All of a sudden, her lingerie photos popped up online. Mm, revenge point. So, so Stanley's bringing up a number of points, Heather, and I want to get your take on. You know, mm-hmm. it sounds like he's saying if it if the circumstances revolve around revenge porn and someone's being cyberbullied or harassed, they should be prosecuted even as a teenager. What is your take mm. on that? I think my take is going to be, I think, across the board, that when we're talking about teenagers, cr- in terms of criminal prosecution, I, I, can't, I don't see where that's going to have any real benefit. I do think that there needs to be sanctions. I do think that there needs to be a form of punishment, either administratively, even either civilly. Um, there's absolutely nothing wrong with having monetary punishment, monetary sanctions that I think will not only, you know, increase the awareness of parents that, of course, don't want to have to pay out because of these things. And there are other ways to deal with this thing criminally. Now, for instance, so we have New York does not have um, sexting legislation as of yet, but they do have what we call a diversion program. New Jersey has sexting legislation, but has also instituted a diversion program. So New York has this 2012 Cybercrime Youth Rescue Act. And what it does is it allows teens who are caught sexting to avoid charges and to instead take an online course and up to eight hours of education about sexting and cyberbullying. And by the time this program ends, basically, the teens are going to be able to define both of these terms, explain the consequences, evaluate their behavior, how their behavior impacted others, and really create this sort of code of how to conduct themselves in the future regarding these issues. And New Jersey followed as well. They started a similar program um, and stating that in order to sort of benefit society in admitting a juvenile into an education program is definitely going to outweigh the harm that's done to society by, um, by issuing a criminal prosecution. Um, McCobb County, okay, um, this was a situation where a girl had faced felony charges posting on, a, on Twitter a photograph 
Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Actually, there were three high school boys who yes. faced felony charges for posting a girl Twitter photograph of, of a sex, sex act that was engaged. And basically what the judge did was, under a youthful offender program, instead of instituting criminal charges, put them on probation for about three years in the condition that they have no contact with one another and or the girl. And and they, he actually barred them from using cell phones for at least a year. And I think if there's going to be any punishment for teens, it's potentially going to be a, uh, their inability to, to use their cell phones, which, of course, I think has become a basically extension of, of ourselves. Absolutely right, Heather. I think that's one of the best mechanisms that can take place in retaliation if you want to teach that teen a lesson is take their cell phone away from them. Do we have to put this teen in jail? Do we have to give them that experience as 11 years old of being down and taken into custody? That might do more mental trauma than anything else. But we, we're going to talk more about that after this quick, quick break. Don't go anywhere. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard. Shout out to all the believers, including Alyssa, who keeps requesting us to play Justin Bieber. Yeah, the album is good. <laughs> it must be. All right, guys, we're back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. We're having a very engaging conversation about sexting, something that you're probably doing. And if not, the young people in your lives are probably doing, according <laughs> to statistics. So let's talk about it. Right. Um, also, we have on the line with us a very special guest. Her name is Heather Elias Kukolo, and she is the director. Director of New York New York Law School's Mental Disability Law Program, and she's an expert on sex offender law. Uh, Stanley, I'm really confused about something. If they're not leaking this, like the sexting stuff online, how are they getting well, caught? Well, there was an investigation. So there was so there was a huge investigation that actually happened. Um, I forget which state it was in, but once they Sorry, started Alabama. investigating, um, all the, Colorado. Oh, Colorado. Once they did that investigation, Colorado. they found more than a hundred students had actually found uh, were engaging in a sexting ring, and some of it was actually harassment and, and, and cyberbullying. So that answers your question of how that happened in Colorado. Colorado, right. I actually want to go back to the conversation that we were having with the professor before we took the break. Um, and we were talking a lot about state laws and state sexting laws, but there's also yep. federal child pornography laws on the books, which, uh, fed, you know, under federal law prevent the distribution of child pornography. Um, and I was, I guess the question is twofold. One, is the Department of Justice doing the same kind of diversion type programs that some, that we see in being instituted in some of the states when they encounter, uh, child, uh, sexting and where that crosses the line from child sexting over into child pornography, potentially, uh, at least under the law. Um, and two, do we think that there's a difference between two teenagers that sex each other and between a teenager who gets a sext from somebody and then distributes it to all of his friends? Um, and should that person be treated differently under the federal distribution of child pornography laws um, than the person who's just exchanging it with somebody else in their class uh, due to the fact that they're distributing it you know, more widely to other people? Professor? Yeah, I think that we have to be really careful. First, okay, we'll talk about the federal child pornography laws and sort of how it applies to sexing. And I think we have to be really careful, though, when we want to actually understand why it is and what our purpose is for enacting these child pornography laws versus what is actually occurring through sexing, right, and whether or not the sanctions are going to really be equal or, or appropriate for what is going on. Now, there's the prosecutorial remedies and other tools 
Um, basically, it's called the uh, and to end the exploitation of children today. It's the Protect Act of 2003, and what that is is it makes it illegal to produce, distribute, receive, or possess with the intent to distribute any obscene visual depiction of a minor engaging in sexually explicit conduct. Now, of course, when we're talking about in federal, let's make clear that, of course, these are pictures we're discussing, although it's important to note that in Colorado and other states, it does not have to be pictures to be prosecuted for texting. It can also be sexually explicit text, um, uh, basically words. Um, so what the federal law does is it criminalizes um, causing a minor to take part in sexually explicit conduct in order to visually depict that conduct. Now, there's also what we need to talk about is and the Adam Walsh Act and the Sex Offender Notification and Registration Act because that's where we're going to get into what kind of the extent of the penalties are. All right, now, if you violate the PROTECT Act, okay, we're going back to the PROTECT Act, it's punishable by a fine up to 10 years imprisonment or both. And the same punishment applies to promoting or soliciting child pornography and causing a minor to take place in a sexually explicit conduct in order to make a photo or video is punishable by at least 15 to 30 years in prison. And distributing child pornography by computer is punishable by as much as 20 years in prison, all right? And now what we're really looking at here, though, of course, is this idea of the adults, adults above the age of 18 that are subjecting juveniles, children, preteens, teenagers to this type of activity. When we look at sort of how we deal with juveniles, right, it's in fact that the federal sex offender registration doesn't actually address this. Now, the Adam Walsh Act and SORNA will subject individuals age 14 and over to Sex Offender Notification and Registration Act under certain circumstances. And what it says is that under SORNA, a juvenile must register if the offender is 14 years of age or older at the time of the offense and the offense adjudicated was comparable to or more severe than aggravated sexual abuse or was an attempt or conspiracy to commit such an offense, okay? So the, the language we're really considering is comparable to severe aggravated sexual abuse. How do we define that? How do we understand that? Um, so it's important to also consider that a juvenile in certain states might have the potential of being prosecuted as an adult in these crimes. If that's the case, SORNA is, is out automatically going to come into play when the individual is going to have to register most likely uh, for life. Now, SORNA does not recommend that, it, or it, there is no language in SORNA that really issues prosecuting uh, juveniles for sexting, mm. but it's undetermined, and it really is all depending on how these things are dealt with in the states. Right. Also, federally, the federal laws really do kind of um, uh, prefer that these issues be dealt on a state level ra- rather than a federal level. Right. Um, so many great points, and you know, you brought up the severity of these um, of the sentences that could actually happen if these children and teens are actually prosecuted, brought to trial, etc. But the thing is, I, and I understand that it seems like we're advocating and we're pushing for more education to combat sexting and to, to try to educate our teens so that they can make responsible choices. But I'm thinking about it this way. 
if I can tell my teen, look, if you sexed, you can face jail time. That's a great deterrent. No. Like, I mean, I mean, I mean. But is it? Is it? It's I mean, not. That's the question. I don't think is they it? know. They don't think they understand the ramifications and the severity. And they're just being hit with it afterwards. They'll just sext on Snapchat where it disappears after you send it. But and uh, can, I, can I actually read a comment about, like, the other options for what you do with the teenagers? So Real World Dropouts on Twitter said, I don't think there is enough education or communication or about sexuality or the internet between parents and teens. Instead of threatening jail time, maybe if we did more of that, we'd be in a better situation. And she goes, or even about how sex and the internet plays such a big part in adolescent lives. You have adolescents who are learning about sex through pornography and videos that get sent by people they're dating or flirting with while parents are afraid to even talk about sex in general. And the schools can't talk about it because some crazy right-wing person who claims to be religious doesn't want them to talk about it no great points right no and i just wanted to add to that because there's just this level of you know what are we you know kids we we say all the time teens being teens right this kind of conduct in some ways we can say has been happening even prior to cell phones what's interesting about it is that now that we have technology and that we have the cell phones now the laws that were originally written to protect the children uh from being exploited by adults that were going to take sexually explicit pictures of these children and put them up on the internet, distribute them, are now the very laws that are potentially going to be used to criminalize the children that they were eventually made to protect. And so that really, to me, makes us say, hey, maybe we need to look at our laws and we maybe need to figure out a way to amend them to add in certain exceptions and add in certain, you know, you know, like diversion programs, as the professor points out, in order to deal with this. Because we shouldn't be using, in my, in my opinion, we should not be using the laws that we created to protect children from adult predators in order to now prosecute the children for engaging in behavior that I don't that I wouldn't call innocuous but I don't think is necessarily out of the norm of the behavior that teenagers engage in now or have engaged in in the past prior to cell phones the only reason these laws are being implicated now is because of the digital nature of the world we live in today teenagers Uh, are horny and irresponsible um, great point, Alyssa. That actually uh, segues right into the last question that I wanted to ask Heather. We have online again with us, Heather Kugelow, who is an expert on sex offender law. I wanted to ask you, should these laws on child pornography be changed? And, and if so, how? How can we do that? And how do they need to be changed? Okay, I want to just really quickly just sort of address though what was stated about this sort of threat of jail time. How often do we really see threats actually working in if for, for our teenagers. Maybe I think a better approach here is to explain to them how to have, you know, more dignity for themselves, how to make sure that they are respecting their bodies, that they are respecting sort of how they're going to be perceived by others, understanding long-term effects of if a picture or, or a nude picture or a sexually explicit picture of them is out there somewhere, regardless, of course, of how to extreme it goes. But I think at the, at the outset we need to address that. Now, you know, how to better deal with this. You know, let's see. I, all I can do is I can tell you, okay, California lawmakers, um, they, they were pushing to have teen sexters expelled from school. Florida lawmakers were voting to punish sexting with a $60 fine in community service. Um, Vermont, again, does the diverted to a juvenile program, no sex offender registry requirements, a record expungement at age 18. And basically, Rhode Island says, look, let's make the first offense a misdemeanor, and we'll refer the teen to family court and absolutely no sex offender registration. Now, in 
interestingly, South Dakota in 2011 wanted to pass a law that have, would have distinguished between consensual or experimental juvenile sexting with aggravated juvenile sexting, which situations where teens are coerced or bullied. Um, but that, that law was not successful, it's not successfully passed. So what do we do? What are our solutions here? And right. I think that's a great question and something that we have to take a look at. I, I do think, though, that this country has a, a continued history of passing legislation in a passionate, immediate response to events that blow up in the media and events that occur without taking a look at what is really going to help what is really going to be beneficial? What exactly are we looking at here? And we have to go back to the even the first point that we talked about is, what are we trying to protect? What are we trying to prevent against? Is this child pornography where they're dis- distributing it for, for uh, financial and, and sexual enjoyment? Is this just kids being kids? Look, like I said back in the day, rumors, you know, you know having your reputation ruined um, by, by, by verbal rumors that go on. And I think that there are different things that we can consider, and I think diversion programs are a good idea. I think education is a good idea. Um, hey, look, I, I'm not above, you know, making parents more culpable in these situations because I have to say, when all is said and done, when we see the trends of this country, we are leaving it up to the lawmakers and the schools to parent our children, and the fact is, is it's got to come back to it home. Heather, thank you so much again for that and for joining us today. Please let our listeners know how they can get in touch with you um, and the work that you do. Absolutely. I have a company formed with Professor Michael Perlin. Um, You can always check out my website at www.mdlpa.net. Also, I'm part of the New York Law School adjunct faculty, and I can always be reached for that as well. Thank you again, Heather, for joining us here. I just want to wrap up and say that I think the solution is definitely education. It seems like that's the solution for so many issues that we talk about because the fact of the matter is a lot of these teens are engaging in this risky behavior, not knowing or understanding the ramifications that could happen to their personal lives and legally because they might live in a state in which, you know, if you sex and you're at a certain age, you could be criminally prosecuted. So that's the thing. We need to educate our children on why sexing is probably not the best idea, to, especially if you're in, um, under the age of 13 and you're doing it casually. There's a big difference between flirting. There's a big difference in not just having a self-esteem and a self-worth and, and not feeling good about yourself and feeling like the only way I can get attention is if I send a picture, if I send somebody a picture of whatever's on my body. And, you know, and, and it's not the type of attention that they should be seeking, especially at such a young age. So I think that what we need to do as adults as parents and as people that know better we need to make sure that we're invested in the lives of our children to know that you know what a lot of times when you're going through those awkward preteen and teen years you don't feel good about yourself and you'll just do what the media is telling you to do or you'll try to you know take that same trajectory that kim kardashian did or something and you know those people are your idols and you're like well if they put out a sex tape if they can take a bikini picture why can't i get a lot of likes and that's what they're doing so again it's about education and making sure that we let our teens know that might not be the route that you want to go down Uh, and on that note we're going to take a quick break but when we come back we're going to be talking about the continuation of the war on women Check out my chip, one body go 